1 John chapter 4, we'll begin in verse number 7. Beloved, let us love one another, for love is of God. And everyone that loves is born of God and knows God. He that loveth not knoweth not God, for God is love. In this was manifested the love of God toward us because that God sent his only begotten son into the world that we might live through him. Here's our key verse. Herein is love or this is love. Not that we loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son to be the propitiation for our sins. Beloved, if God so loved us, we ought also to love one another. No man has seen God. If we love one another, then God dwells in us. And his love is perfected in us. Hereby we know that we dwell in him and he in us because he's given us his spirit. And we have seen and do testify. That the Father sent the Son to be the Savior of the world. And whosoever, listen to this, shall confess that Jesus is the Son of God. God dwells in him. And he in God. And we have known and believed that God, that, that the love that God hath unto us, God, he says it again, is love. And he that dwells in love dwells in God and God in him. And herein is our love made perfect. That we may have boldness on the day of judgment. Because as he is, who? Jesus. So are we in this world. What a powerful statement. There is no fear in love. But perfect love casteth out all fear. Because fear hath torment. He that feareth is not made perfect in love. And here's a great verse. We love him because he first loved us if any man say i love god and hates his brother he is a liar for he that loves not his brother whom he hath seen how can he love god who he has not seen and here's the command we have from him that he who loves god love his brother also we'll take our key verse from verse number 10 this morning herein is love or this is love not that we loved God but that he loved us and sent his son to be the propitiation for our sins we'll dialogue a little bit this morning on the subject love education love education turn to your neighbor and tell them that love education if I was to subtitle this message I would subtitle it a lesson of fundamental Christianity, a lesson of fundamental Christianity. Before you're seated, let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, we love you this morning. We thank you for being in this room. We thank you that we feel your holy presence here. We thank you that your anointing is here, and it's your anointing that makes the difference and breaks the yoke. And so, God, this morning, we're asking you to go to work. As your word goes forward this morning, I pray that you'd break down strongholds. God, beat back generational curses and generational spirits in Jesus' name. And God, as this fundamental word is delivered to your people, God, that it would be planted deep in their hearts and produce fruit, much fruit and fruit that remains. We give you all the glory this morning. Have your way in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. Can we do one more thing and just put our hands together and give God praise? then you may have your seats love education love education for those of you who don't know anybody heard of John Gibson gospel singer John Gibson I encourage you to look him up as I was uh, praying and studying for the word this week I knew that God wanted me to talk about his love and share about that this morning. I, I even argued with God about that. I said, God, that's a very fundamental topic. That's a very general topic to talk about the love of God. And I had issue with it. And God was not letting me waver from that. And so as I deliberated about 
th that word, I was reminded about this song that uh, John Gibson titled one of his albums after, Love Education. If you've never heard it, I encourage you to, to seek that out. And so I said, yeah, that's a great title. And little did I know what God was going to reveal to me through that. And so I'm excited about this word this morning. And so though we may be talking about a very fundamental key in, Christian, in our Christian walk, that is the love of God, I pray that your ears are open to hear revelation on new things. I pray that God open your spirit to receive from him something that you may not have seen or heard before. Maybe something that will cause you to rise up in action in your Christian faith. In Jesus' name, I pray that as we speak this word, those of you who might be going through a trying time or maybe you feel rejected and alone would feel the love of God even in this service this morning. Some of you may have already felt that in our worship service. You felt him drop down and wrap his arms around you. But I pray that it's effective in that way this morning. Amen. Love education. Love education. To be educated is to be characterized by learning information or experience or experience for one to be educated he has to at least lend some of his time to study so this morning let us focus our study on this topic of love love education first corinthians chapter 13 and verse 13 says this and that and now these three remain faith hope and love but the greatest of these is love love is fundamental love is fundamental Jim Rohn said this success is neither magical nor mysterious success is the natural consequence of consistently applying basic principles a fundamental is the foundation or the basis of something one definition says that fundamental is in the origin or the source of something love is fundamental gandhi said that compromise is built on give and take but there can be no give and take on fundamentals any compromise on fundamentals is complete surrender. It's all give and no take. Michael Jordan said it like this. You can practice shooting for eight hours a day, but if your technique is wrong, all you did is get good at shooting the wrong way. Fundamentals, get the fundamentals down and everything else will rise fundamentals our title love education proper education begins with fundamentals my son Jackson is in kindergarten and so right now he's learning his letters and his numbers it's what fundamental so everything that's fundamental has order to it because it's fundamental it's foundational. You can build on it if it has order and structure. So we have our alphabet, A, B, C, D, E. There's an order to it. But even stronger than that is our numerical value system, which is what? One, two, three, four, five. It's fundamental. There's order to it. But what if I decided today that because of the way I was feeling and I identify with this, that I'm going to make it five, three, two, seven, one. It doesn't work. It actually sounds preposterous to think that I'm going to change the numeric system that goes one, two, three, four, five. That is fundamental. You cannot compromise with that. But just because I identify that it should be five, three, four, two, seven, doesn't make it right. As a matter of fact, it messes up the whole system. So now I can't relate to anybody else who's operating in the order of fundamentals because I'm completely outside of it. 
My mathematics won't work. My accounting won't work. My bank account won't work. Ain't nothing that has anything to do with numeric value going to work because I decided that I felt differently than the fundamental. I can't get no amens in the building. I hope you're hearing this part. It's fundamental, fundamental, fundamental. When fundamentals are compromised, everything that follows is faulty. When fundamentals are compromised, everything that follows is faulty. The, the, the verse in 1 Corinthians 13 says, uh, uh, it says, these three remain. They remain. They continue to be present or they continue to exist. So it doesn't matter what you do around it. It is there. It exists. And so you have the choice whether to function with inside of those things or outside of those things. And so if you work the principles of God or the order or the fundamentals of God, then they work for you. If you work against the fundamentals of God or the principles of God, they work against you. So it's not God hating you. Or it's not God condemning you. It's the consequence of not working the fundamentals. These three, three things remain. Faith, hope, and love. And what? The greatest of these is love. Now, love is not a topic filled with mystery. Some of you in relationship would say, oh, yes, it is. <laughs> love is not a topic or a subject that is unexplored. Love is a familiar word. Love is a word that I pray you use every day. Love, it is familiar, it is familiar. And therein lies an issue, that it is familiar. There's a problem with familiarity. If you get too familiar with something, you will overlook the value of the very thing you're familiar with. Familiarity can cause neglect. Familiarity can cause you to despise. Familiarity can cause you to leave by the wayside the very thing that should be the focus of your quest. Familiarity. Love is familiar. However, love is fundamental. Therefore, it is essential. It is an essential ingredient in the makeup of your life and your Christian walk. Can I get an amen? amen. So here we go. We have this apostle writing this letter or this epistle. And as he's penning it, he stops in the middle of this discourse, and he says this, herein is love. Herein is love. Now, when he stops and makes this exclamation, I can't help but think that you and I have made this statement before, whether in word or in thought. We've made this statement of, before because of something we've seen or because of something we've experienced. This is Love, whether it be a mother holding her newborn child, this, this is love. Whether it be a friend showing affection to another friend, this is love. Whether it be a man gazing deeply into the eyes of the woman he wants to spend the rest of his life with and he drops to one knee, that is love. Whether it be a little girl gazing up into the eyes of her daddy, this is love. Or whether it be one feeding the homeless, this is love. And so we've seen it. We've experienced it. Love is fundamental. And I wish, I wish that I could use those as a basis to stir your spirit and soul toward the love of God. However, I can't help but notice that when the apostle made this statement, Herein is love. He's speaking of yet a love that is higher than the love I just explained to you. As beautiful as it is to see a child look up at her parent or a child look up at her father or a mother look at her child or looking into the eyes of a loved one. As deep as that love can be, yet this love is deeper. It's more profound. It's a more profound love. Yea, it is even perfect. And divine herein is love with this love you can't find its origin you can't go back and find the beginning 
of this love. It's so deep you can't reach the bottom of it. This love. No, at this love you can't even find the end of it. This love. Its power cannot be measured. This love. And the greatest of these is love. Listen to the apostle as he pens these words. Herein is love. Listen. Not that you loved him. This is love. Not that you loved him. But that he. God. The all powerful. The omnipresent. The creator of the heavens and the earth. His infinite being cannot even be fit into this finite brain of ours no matter how smart we think we are he loved us love education love education i want to read this out of the message bible just because it's fun just because it's fun i like the way that eugene peterson translates the bible if you don't have the message bible you should get it because it's a lot of fun to read so let's read these verses my beloved friends Let us continue to love each other since love comes from God. Everyone who loves is born of God and experiences a relationship with God. The person who refuses to love doesn't know the first thing about God. That's the truth. Because God is love. You can't know him if you don't love. This is how God showed his love for us. God sent his only son into the world that we might live through him. This is the kind of love we're talking about. Not the once upon a time love, God, but that he loved us and sent his son as a sacrifice for us. To clear away our sins and the damage they have done to our relationship with him. My dear, dear friends, if God loved us like this, we certainly ought to love one another. No one has seen God ever. But we love one another. God dwells deeply within us and his love becomes complete in us perfect love this is how we know we're living steadily and deeply in him and he in us he's given us this life from his life from his very spirit also we've seen for ourselves and continue to state openly that the father sent his son as savior of the world everyone who confesses that jesus somebody say jesus is god's son participates continually In an intimate relationship with God, we know it so well. We've embraced it, heart and soul, this love that comes from God. God is love. When we take a permanent residence in a life of love, we live in God. And God lives in us. And I'll jump all the way to the end where he says, loving God includes loving people. You got to love both. You got to love both. Fundamental. See? Love is easy in relation to God. It's easy for us to say, I love God. It's easy for us to express our love for him. And we say we do that through our life. We do that through a life dedicated to him, whether it be praying on a daily basis, coming to church, lifting our hands in worship, uh, praying before meals, whatever the case may be. Saying we love God is not so hard. It is part of us, right? But this new command I give you, As I have loved you, you must also love your brothers. Now that part gets a little difficult. It says in this passage that if you say you love God and hate your brother, you are a liar. That's tough. That's tough. That's tough. Especially in a day and age like today where it seems like we're arguing and quarreling over everything. And we're so vehemently standing on our platforms of quote-unquote conviction that we're willing to pass judgment on what anybody else or everybody else thinks. But here's the problem with that. God loves them too. God loves them too. It didn't say Jesus is the Savior of the Christians. He said, Jesus is the Savior of who? The world. That means everybody has a chance. And he loves them just the same. And he loves them just the same. 
he hates his brother. He is a liar. He is a liar. So let's talk about some things. We won't be here long, much longer. We are at church tonight. So point number one, what love is not. To properly understand what love is, you got to understand what love is not. What love is not. Verse 18, there is no fear in love. Perfect love casts out all fear. The opposite of love is not hate. The opposite of love is fear. The opposite of love is not hate, it is fear. Listen to this. Human, humans are made up of two fundamental emotions. Love and fear. Scientifically, I can prove this to you. I won't take the time to go through it all, but just know that one produces cortisol and the other produces oxytocin. One works against you, one works for you. One works against you, one works for you. All human all negative human emotion stems from fear, stems from fear, aggression, hatred, anxiety, stress, selfishness, addiction, self-preservation, self-gratification, narcissism. All of these, and I could keep going, but all of these things are predicated on the foundation of fear. Fear is the absence of trust in God. Fear is the absence of trust in God. Martin Luther King Jr. said it like this. People are not born with hatred. They learn it. When a child is born, he learns to be afraid. Some parents train their children out of fear. Other parents train their, their children into greater fear. Remember as a kid, I was scared of the dark. I was scared of the dark and I felt that if... I could have the blanket all the way up to my neck that nothing could get to me. You know what I'm saying? But one of the things I hated was going to bed without hearing my dad pray for me. My mom would come in the room, and she'd be like, it's time for bed. And I'd be like, well, can you tell Daddy to come pray for me? She'd be like, no, I'll pray for you. I'm here. No, no, no. I want Daddy to pray for me. And I would make a big deal. Other people... It, like my children love to hear their mom pray for them before bed. But for me, it was my dad. I need to hear my dad pray for me before bed. And if he didn't, then maybe the covers go over my head instead of just to the neck. <laughs> but his prayers always seemed to bring a settling in my spirit and erase that feeling of fear. And over time, gradually, I wasn't afraid of the dark anymore. As a matter of fact, I enjoyed it, especially when I was going to rest. Now, that's trite, but it's true, isn't it? We can train our children into fear. We can train them into fear. What did I just say? We can train them to hate. We can train them to stress out. We can train them to have anxiety. We can train them to be ADD. We can train them to, to, be, to misbehave. We can train them into disobedience. We can train them into being spoiled. The opposite of love is not hate, it's fear. First mentioned of fear is in Genesis chapter 3. It's in Genesis chapter 3. Now, at this point, Eve has already talked to the serpent. She's already eaten the fruit of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. And when she did, she saw that she was naked. And when Adam ate, he saw that he was naked. Now watch. They hear the voice of the Lord walking in the cool of the day. And what did they do? They hid. And so when God calls to them and he finds them, Adam replies, I hid because I was afraid, because I was naked. I felt uncovered. I felt exposed. I felt laid bare. There was nothing covering me, but, but Adam, you were already that way. You were already that way. Disobedience produces fear because I was naked. They should have never ate it to begin with. 
A lot of times people are walking through life unsure of whether God is on their side or God is supporting them or God is with them. And really, it's just your insecurity because you know you didn't act on the last word that he gave you. I don't have anything covering me. I don't have anything protecting me. But our, let's go back to our text. Our text tells us perfect love casts out all fear. And we know this, first, 2 Timothy 1, 7, that God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of sound mind. Fear is a spirit. If God is love, and fear is the opposite of love, then that makes fear a spirit. God did not give us that spirit. So right now, in the name of Jesus, I speak against anxiety. I speak against stress. I speak against anger. I speak against narcissism. I speak against inferiority complexes. I speak against low self-esteem in Jesus' name. Fear, you are not welcome here in Jesus' name. There is no fear in love. So to understand love, you got to understand what it is not. Fear is not welcome here in Jesus' name. So what is love? What is love? Now that we understand what it is not, let's talk about what it is. Best way to do this is to turn in our Bibles to 1 Corinthians chapter 13. Why try to explain it when the Apostle Paul did such a good job? When the Apostle Paul did such a good job. We'll just start with verse number one. If I speak in tongues of men or of angels but do not have love, I am only a resounding gong or a clanging cymbal. If I have the gift of prophecy and can fathom all the mysteries and all the knowledge and I have a faith that can move a mountain, but do not have love, I am nothing. If I give all I possess to the poor and give over my body to hardship that I may boast, but do not have love, I gain nothing. Love is patient. Love is kind. It does not envy. It does not boast. It is not proud. It does not dishonor others. It is not self-seeking. It is not easily angered. It keeps no record of wrongs. Love does not delight in evil, but rejoices with the truth. It always protects. It always trusts. It always hopes. It always perseveres. Listen to this. Love never fails. Love never fails. Somebody ought to give God praise because his love never fails. Not only that, love is the foundation for the three greatest commands that we were ever given. Love is the foundation for the greatest commands we were ever given. How so, Pastor Josh? Well, let me tell you. Matthew 22, Jesus is talking about the greatest command. The greatest command, we know it, is love the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength. Love the Lord your God. And the second is like unto it. Love your neighbor as yourself. This is a command. This is a command. This ain't a suggestion. This isn't a good idea. This isn't God's way of saying, you might want to try this. This is a concept that may work. No, this is a command. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength. Love your neighbor as yourself. And then in John 13 and verse 34, Jesus is speaking. He says, a new command. Oh, we get a new one. A new command I give you. That you love one another, not as you love yourself, but as I have loved you, that you also love one another. By this, all men will know that you are my, my disciples by your love, one for another. And here's where I feel like we need to shift a little bit. Here's where we need to shift a little bit and adjust our focus this morning because in our text, there's a lot of talk about loving others as Christ loved us or as God loved us. The understanding that Jesus is emphasizing here, and if you look through 
the New Testament and read the Gospels and the things that Jesus said, he really, really wanted to set an example and set a priority that you love one another even as God loves you. My Bible says that it's the goodness of God that leads men to repentance. It's not your pointed finger. It's not your call of judgment. It's not your preaching of fear. It's not your clarion call to somebody to tell them they're going to spend an eternity in hell. And what if you died tomorrow? Where are you going to be? No, that's fear-driven faith. And it does not stand because perfect love casts out all fear. It's the goodness of God that leads men to repentance. Goodness is a product of love. Goodness is a product of love that you love one another. Even as I loved you, and this is how men will know that you are my disciple, my learner, my pupil, the one that studies after me, the person I'm educating here. I'm trying to educate you into something. You are my disciple, and they will know it by your love. And herein is love. Here it is. Not that we loved him, but that he loved us. That he loved us. Jesus is the propitiation of our sins. What does that even mean? That means he took the place. He atoned for it. Everything sin was crying for, he appeased it. Everything you did, didn't do, said, thought, imagined, he took the place of that. He felt it. He lived it. He died for it. And he resurrected because of it. So that it could be defeated and it couldn't steal away your life eternal. Not life forever, but life abundant right here. Jesus, the personification of love. Jesus, the personification of love. You know... There's something about that name. Jesus. See, even as a 41-year-old man, when I hear that name, man, it brings such peace to my life. When I hear that name, Jesus, it's something about that name makes me feel safe. Jesus, Jesus. For God so... What he did? What he... He loved the world that he gave His only begotten son, Jesus, the savior of the world. He's the son of God, yet he's the son of man. He's the lamb that was slain for the sins of the world. Yea, even your sins and my sins. He's the lion of the tribe of Judah. This way, anything that would try to come against me, he roars at it and they have to back up. And he reigns and rules over the territory of my life. So when the devil hears that lion of the tribe of Judah roar, that devil knows he's on, he's trespassing on God's property because he walked into the territory that belongs to the lion of the tribe of Judah. Yea, he's the bright, even the morning star because we Weeping may endure for a night, but joy comes in the morning. He's my star. His name is Jesus. Does anybody know that name? Is anybody familiar with that name, Jesus? His name is Jesus. At the mention of that name, every knee shall bow. Every tongue confess that he is Lord. When you say the name of Jesus, I believe demons begin to tremble and devils begin to run off because that name of Jesus, there's no other name like it in all the world. His name is Jesus Christ. He's the greatest of all time. He's the champion of the universe. No one can compare to him. His name is so great it split time right down the middle. Jesus. Jesus. Somebody say that name. Jesus. He's Emmanuel, God with us. God with us. He sits at the right hand of the Father and ever makes intercession for my soul, but somehow he still resides right there in my heart. His name is Jesus. 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 When I was lost and had nowhere to go, he was right there with me. When I was sinning my worst sin, he was right there with me. You know the power of the love of Jesus is that he knows how bad you are right now and he still loves you anyway. His name 
is Jesus. His name is Jesus. I dare somebody to get on your feet and lift up a praise unto the name that is above every name. The name of Jesus. That's cute. That's cute. And I know I asked you to, but come on now. That name is Jesus Christ. He's the lion of the tribe of Judah. Judah is your praise. There's something about you when your praise goes up that that lion walks in. His name is Jesus. Not that we loved him. Maybe see it. Not that we loved him, but that he loved us. There was no prerequisite. There was no qualifications. There was no application at the door. There were no interviews. Not that we loved him, but that he first loved us. There was no give and take with God. It was all give. There was no give and take with God. It was all give. He doesn't bless you because you deserve a blessing. That's not why God does it. He doesn't love you because you did something and now he loves you. No, that's not how that works. He doesn't drop favor on your life because you're oh so special. No, 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 no. That's why favor ain't fair, honey. Because he does what he wants. It's all give with God. It's no take. Don't worry for all the religious folk. Love is a fundamental. There is an expectation. But before we can even get to that expectation, we have to understand that love, God is love. And he doesn't need you to be that. Not that we loved him, but he loved us. See, because it was sin, if I remember the story right, that separated us from his love. It was sin that pulled us away from him. It was sin in sin that fear was born i was afraid i was afraid when you came i was afraid i was ashamed i knew i did wrong and i didn't want to be around you but god even when adam did wrong he was still looking for adam that's where adam missed it just because he did wrong did not mean god wasn't still looking for him didn't still want to be with him it was his voice that was walking so he wanted to talk with him He wanted to be in relationship with him. It was sin that took its best shot at destroying our relationship with the Lord. And you know what? Sin didn't realize that by doing that, it birthed the greatest love story ever told. Because love covers a multitude of sins. And I don't know about you, but when I look at the sins in my life, I see multitudes. I see some bad stuff. I see some gross gross stuff. But I'm thankful that his love covers a multitude of sins greater love has no man than this than he would lay down his life for his friends not that we loved him not that we loved him but that he loved us we love him because he first loved us see here's something i'm going to slow down because i want you to hear this I want you to hear this the power of the love of god is not that we chase it It chases us. The power of the love of God is that we can't outrun it. And we can't run it off. What can separate us from the love of God? Neither height, nor depth, nor principality, nor power, nor things past, nor things present, nor things to come. Nothing can separate you from the love of God. You can't even be disqualified from the love of God you can't outlast the love of God there's something about his love we know what it's not and even in that short little discourse I probably didn't even get a grain of sand in the content or power of what love is what love is but we explored some of it what love isn't what love is now let's talk about love education love education Nestled twice in our text is this short phrase, this short phrase, God is 
love. God is love, love education. Is, in this Greek translation, is one's being or one's existence or one's essence. God's essence is love. All love finds its origin in him. Any love you've felt, any love you've experienced, any love you've seen, it all goes back to him. See, God emits love. You've heard of the issue with bad emissions and pollution and all that. Well, God emits it. It just comes out of him. He can't even function without this emission of love. It's his essence. And see, we can't really get there because God's ways are higher than our ways. His thoughts are higher than our thoughts. So our natural thought would be, why would he love somebody like that that's so inconsistent and falters so much? Well, that's the point. His ways are not our ways. His thoughts are not our thoughts. He just emits love. He can't help it. He can't help it. It's beyond our comprehension. God is love. The word education, some of you know this, but humor me, comes from the Latin word educare, which means to draw out from within. To draw out from within. Side note, if our school systems would start capitalizing on what's in our children, we'd see greater growth within our children. Instead of setting a standard for people to try to excel in their weaknesses, why don't we capitalize on their strengths to draw out from within? In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth, and we know that he spoke existence into being. And it's interesting because you can't say a word without breath being emitted out of your mouth. It takes air to say a word. So he says all these things and the world is created. But when it came to us, he got his hands involved. And so he reaches down into dirt of all things. He reaches into dirt and he takes dirt and he forms it into a man. And then he does this. He breathes into him. In the Hebrew, it literally means he put his spirit into him. Now Romans teaches us that to every man is given... A measure of faith. And faith comes by hearing. Hearing by the word of God. The word of God cannot go forth unless it is spoken. It can't be spoken unless there's some breath involved. So what we take from this is that God made a deposit into man when he made him. To every man is given a measure of faith. That means you have God in you, and what God wants to see is if we can get it to draw up out of you. So if God is love, and that's his essence, then there's a piece of that that's inside of you. And so that's why you have the ability to love your children the way you do. That's why you have the ability to forgive a friend who has wronged you. That's why you have the ability to love somebody with a love you didn't know you could have. That's why when you get around somebody you love, you get a funny feeling because that emission is starting to happen inside of you. What God wants to know is can he draw it up out of you? Can he draw it out of you? God so loved us, we ought to love one another. Love is an emission. It has to be felt. It likes to lean on. Love likes to lean on you. Love has to be expressed. It has to make an impression. Love has a way of, of, of having to be felt, whether in deed or in word. This is why God is so jealous for your affection. This is why God is so jealous for affection. Do you think that God needs your words of worship and praise to affirm him in who he is? God doesn't need that. God isn't walking around wondering, am I really good? Do I really love them? Am I really worthy to be praised? No, he's God. And he's God all by himself. He doesn't need your affirmation to confirm who he is. But what he does need to know is if you're emitting what he put in you. 
That's why he calls for worship. That's why he calls for praise. Are you emitting? When we worship, we are emitting back to him what he put on us. We are emitting. When we praise, we are collectively creating an atmosphere where anything can happen. Because that emission is going forth. What you're doing is you're filling the atmosphere with love. So if God is love and we're filling the atmosphere with love, what are we filling the atmosphere with? We're filling it with God. And when God is in the room, anything can happen. Herein is love. And the apostle makes this proclamation with these words and this command we have from him. That he who loved God must love his brother also. You know, all the things that we deal with. All the things we see culturally. All the things that our young people deal with at school, on social media, at our jobs, in our churches. Churches against churches. All that would go to trash if we learn to walk in the ways of love. If we learn to walk in the ways of love. Love is mentioned in the Bible in the NIV version 551 times. In another version it's mentioned 870 something times. That's multiplied, that's at least twice a day that love is mentioned within the Bible. God expects us to walk and be and live in love. He expects the emission from our lives to be touching others because why? It's the goodness of God that leads men to repentance. I'll leave you with some verses. And then we'll go home. John 13, 35. All men will know that you are my disciples. Why? Because of your love, one, for another. 1 Corinthians 16, 14. Let all that you do be done in love. Colossians 3, 14. Above all these, put on love, which binds everything together in perfect harmony. Isn't that beautiful? Love binds everything together in perfect harmony. It's science in a verse. God is the one that holds it all together. So if God is love, then love does that. And it's only through love that you can actually make a positive impact in the world. God is love. And he says, put it on. Put on love. Which gives us the idea that we don't have to put it on every day. I know I wake up sometimes and I'm not in the best of moods. As a matter of fact, most mornings I'm kind of grumpy. And we have to make a decision to what? Put on love. Proverbs 10 and verse 12. Hatred stirs up strife, but love covers all offenses. It covers some offenses. All offenses. Covers all offenses. 1 Peter 4 and verse 8. Above all, keep loving one another earnestly. Since love covers a multitude of sins. See, we see the last part most of the time. Love covers a multitude of sins. But the complete statement is, above all, above everything, love one another earnestly. Since love covers a multitude of sins. People are going to hurt you. People are in this room and you're hurt right now been hurt by family, been hurt by parents, been hurt by spouse, ex-spouse, girlfriend, boyfriend, brother, friend. You've been hurt. And our pride wants to hold that hurt and nurture that hurt and cradle that hurt, feed that hurt. Because for some reason, we want to win there. We want to win. How do you think God feels in that predicament? When we are acting like that toward people, that we want to win, right? How do you think he feels? You think he's ever been wrong in an argument? You think when he was talking to Adam, Adam was giving him excuses why he ate that fruit? Well, she did it. You think he was worried about that then? Love covers a multitude of sins. See, we have to mature enough to understand we're going to get hurt. We're going to get hurt bad, some of us. But love covers a multitude of sins. It covers it. It covers it. God has an expectation of his people to emit that love, to emit it. And you know what the beauty is of it all? The beauty of it is 
that when we are faithless, he remains faithful. <laughs> when we were unfaithful to him, it's another way to say it. He remained faithful to us. When we cheated on him, he stayed right there with us. Don't you know that's how much God loves you? No matter how bad you've been, some of you might be thinking back on your week right now and saying, Pastor Josh, you don't understand some of the things I did this week. You don't understand some of the things I said. Some of the things I said to people. Things I've done to people. You don't know what I've been through. You don't know my life. You don't know what people have done to me. I don't understand the love of God allowing me to go through that. Allowing me to go through that. See, that's the, that's the thing about sin, right? Is that it opened the door for pain to enter in. But there's no victory and no real triumph unless there is some kind of pain. You understand love when you haven't been loved and then you feel it. You understand love when you don't know where to turn and God shows up for you. You understand it then. And what God's asking his people to do, and I felt convicted to bring this word today because I think it's time for us to reach down within ourselves and draw up out of ourselves that thing that he put in there, love education, and spread that. This is going to be a year with a lot of conflict. It already is. And it's just going to get worse until November, and then it's really going to get bad. <laughs> and God, and as the people of God, it's important that we're a walking emission of the love of God. Watch this. Last thing I'll say. And we know that all things work together for the good of those who love God and are the called according to his purpose. All things, everything, everything you're facing, everything you're going through, all your hurts, all your pains, all your sins, all things, they work together. They're all part of the story for the good, for your good of those that love him.